It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch Race Fans, presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs, online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced, white-knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Karting today. Do yourself right with a little indoor kart racing. Today's show is going to be a little bit condensed. Uh, we will recap the racing action at Sonoma in turn number one. We'll talk about some of the news and notes that are circulating around the NASCAR and dirt track headlines. Then in turn number two, we're going to talk with Cody Ledger, and then we're going to throw the caution flag, the black flag. Let's call it the black flag on this rate on this show. Uh, All-star race this weekend. I don't think it's necessary to do it. We don't have a second interview lined up for you, so I uh, won't do a turn three, and I don't see it necessary to do a turn four. We can do it all in turn number one and uh, put it all into one little pretty podcast segment, wrap it up in a little bow and, and send it off. So, Well, I uh, think we just ought to wave the, uh, the green checkered flag then. Oh, you want to just wave the green checkered? Okay. Yeah, we'll just call it a stage. That works for me. Stage one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Dirk, you are, let's, I, man, and I'm going to ask you this just because I, I, it's, it's an important progress report for you, but just please be gentle. This is one of my cringeworthy subjects. How you doing? Well, technically (laughs) I'm pretty much done with any more mutilation of the body. Okay, that's good. Because exactly. I got mutilated on Monday. <laughs> on a scale of one to 10, what was that like? The whole process was 25 or 30 seconds long. I mean, my yeah. appointment was at one and I was in my car leaving by 108. And of course I had to get dressed again. And when did you stop crying? <laughs> um, I didn't cry. I popped out an F-bomb right at the very end. Like I said, it was 25 or 30 seconds, the whole thing. Yeah. And uh the uh, first 20 to 25 seconds was just an uncomfortable pressure. Mm-hmm. And the nurse told me beforehand, she said, don't squeeze your butt cheeks together as I'm laying on the gurney. And uh, I'm like, okay, you know, I didn't know I was going to have that urge, but you, for whatever reason, that's the urge I had. Yeah. And uh, the doctor goes, just wiggle your toes. And uh I said, I still got my shoes on. How am I going to wiggle my toes? <laughs> I'm going to start so calling you twinkle toes now. <laughs> so I kind of wiggled my feet a little bit. And she goes, I told you, don't squeeze your butt. And I said, that's what I'm concentrating on is not yeah. doing that. Yeah. And, uh, but it was, it was just an uncomfortable pressure. I'm going to say on a pain threshold, it was a three. So not too bad. You oh. know, I, yeah. I didn't cuss. I uh, was trying to breathe and not just hold my breath. Then the last five seconds, it went to about a 12. Hmm. And that's when I dropped an F-bomb, you know, and all of a sudden Doc said, well, it's over. Well, Uh, glad glad you got that past you. I'm I'm ready to move on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, believe me, I didn't say, hey, put it back. That was fun. Let's do it again. (laughs) We'll see you next Thursday. I'll come back and do it again. All right, let's move on. I'm going to take a minute to recover. (laughs) Sonoma. Boy, uh, I, I guess Kyle Larson's on a bit of a tear. Said, yeah, uh, whatever, said whatever they're doing, not, it, yeah. they're just hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. Sonoma's not one of his favorite racetracks. He's never been good there, but that five car was lights out. I mean, nobody had a shot. One stage one, one stage two. Is that at six straight stage wins for him? Correct. Yeah. Two sweeps. Yeah. Back to, I mean, and, that's just insane. 
And I already read he's the odds on favorite from Vegas to do the same down here at the all-star race. So, you know, um, I did almost bet him last week, but he was a little too much of a favorite and they had him matched up against Martin Truex. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Truex won, I think three or four Sonomas. So, yeah. And I said, no, I'll leave this alone. Nothing else looked too inviting to bet, but, uh, I had picked Chase Elliott. I mean, to me, he was the obvious choice and, uh, uh, you know, I got yeah, a I, not a bad pick at all. Place finish, second place finish, I think a second and a fourth or fifth on the stages. So good points. Fifth. Yeah, fifth. You know. Uh Larson has eleven stage wins so far this year. Second place, Denny Hamlin has five stage wins. So Larson is starting to pull away. We've talked about this in the past. Stage wins are critical to locking yourself in to the to the uh round of, of twelve making it easier to lock yourself into the round of 12, I guess. I mean, what was it one year we went into the playoffs and I think Martin Truex Jr. had 70 bonus playoff points. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't remember if it was quite 70, but it was a, a full sweep of a race. Yeah. You know, a race, you can get 60 points. He had, it was more than that. That's what I remember about it. Yeah. And so for anybody that says, you know, this, I, I, and I, I think this is old thinking from the previous chase system where if you won at Daytona, you were locked into the playoffs, and that was that. Now with the new stage points, the bonus playoff points, all that stuff, these drivers are still pushing to, to win stages and to win races because it pays dividends at the end of the year. Well, it took them a while to figure that out. Uh, you know, who, that, who, the drivers? Yeah, I mean, the whole system. It took them a couple of years to figure out that system, you know, and that those points were important. It used to be, like you said, you, you went out and once you won a race, you went in test mode the rest of the year. Yeah, you I know? still don't agree with that, but I didn't have an argument against it because you would still see some drivers. And I think Jimmy Johnson was a classic example of this, that if he won early in the year, every playoff race, or at that time it was a chase race, they would sometimes be completely out to lunch and sometimes be lights out. And it's because they were taking, okay, we're going to be at Kansas later this year. We've already got a win. We're going to be in Kansas for the playoffs. Let's try this setup and see what happens. And you could either see him, like I said, he was either lights out and dominant or he was out to lunch and they were trying something for the playoffs because it it didn't hurt them to try something. Exactly. And that's exactly what I'm saying. They could go into test mode and uh, uh, they would even test at other tracks, you know, that they weren't, that weren't in the chase just, you know, to get information on it, yeah. you know, now this year, I don't think anybody's going to do a whole lot of testing because you're going to a new car next year. Yeah. I mean, it's they're They still have to win the championship this year. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and the old, you know, the, the thought process maybe is uh, maybe Alex Bowman or, um, or William Byron. If the, if Alex Bowman doesn't make the playoffs or, you know, starts to fall dramatically outside of the playoffs, they'll start doing some testing for Kyle Larson in the five car and maybe even chase Elliott in the, in the nine car. So that way they could start getting some more data for these guys. And William Byron in the 24 car. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. if that's the, that's one big advantage to having a four car team is if, is if it's looking like you're not going to be able to make the playoffs, then maybe they just say, okay, we need to, we need to retool a little bit. This season's not going to happen. Let's start doing some testing for the other guys and see if we can't get a championship for this organization. Yeah, well, right now, I mean, if we were at like race 24 instead of what do we had, 15, I think? Yeah, 16. Uh, 16. Okay. 
if we were race 24 or 25, I would say right at that point that Hendrick would have a very strong possibility of sending four cars to the final four. Yeah, Bowman's the one that's the farthest out. He's sitting 11th in the standings. Now, he does have two race wins, so he's locked into the playoffs. Byron has got a win. Well, all four of his cars are in the playoffs, so I, I yeah. mean, that, that, that was a bad example on, on my part. But, yeah, they're, like I said, but there's still plenty of time for one or two of those guys to get out of sync. Make one, they, they can just make one change at one track that throws them off and puts them in a tailspin, which right now, believe it or not, seems like what might have happened to Brad Keselowski. Yeah, he's he's having a rough go of it since really wasn't lighting the world on fire, but ever since these um, rumors of him going to Roush Fenway Racing for as, as a driver and part owner, it, it seems like the two-team has really fallen off. Well, and it, it started a couple weeks before that, but basically since Talladega, he really hasn't had you know, a championship style, you know, race. I mean, yeah. same Kevin Harvick, Kevin, you know, he's got a couple top fives, but it's not a Harvick season. Right. You know, I mean, Kyle Bush went through it last year. Still going through it this year. It's, it's he still doesn't look like the Kyle Bush that we've seen in the past. Uh, he's a lot closer. Yeah. He's a lot closer. He's, yeah. he's had, you know, some solid runs and got himself a win early this year. Um, I mean, well, I think he ended up third at Sonoma, which isn't a, a, a great track for him. He's had some success on the road courses, don't get me wrong, but it's definitely, you know, I think he'd rather race Watkins Glen than race Sonoma. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, the, there's really, you know, there hasn't been that big jump out guy. Like last year, you had Truex and Harvick that both got up there with a lot of wins. Uh, and Hamlin. Like, no, it was Hamlin. Was it Hamlin? And yeah, Hamlin true. and Harvick were battling for the most wins on the year. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. came on late in the year and really uh, challenged both of those guys. Yeah, I don't see anybody outside of the whole Hendricks team that's really having a, a, a real consistent year. You know, Kyle Larson's got three wins now, and he could have five or six. Yeah, and you oddly know, enough, last... he's still not the overall points leader. Yeah, well, his last five starts, what's he got? Three seconds and two wins? You know. Hamlin, uh, Denny Hamlin is your overall points leader with uh, no wins, five stage wins. So he's got five bonus playoff points, but 664 points. He has a 47 point advantage over Kyle Larson. You know, Ryan Newman just about won the title a couple of years ago without having a win. Yeah. And there's also a huge discrepancy in their teams. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'd say talent gap. I mean, there's obviously an age gap where Ryan is on his way down. And I think Denny... Denny peaked last year and in the beginning of this year, I think we might begin to see the end of that peak. Cause he's, he hasn't, well, I'm going to, you know, it's last year may have been the fluke. He, he was just so on fire last year and, and just there, it's not the same this year, but, but we've talked about that with a lot of guys. Harvick's the same way. Truex is the same way. Yeah. Uh, well, Denny Hamlin's got a part ownership and a team now going through his head too. Yeah. I'll guarantee you that's got a little bit of his concentration, you know, yeah, I, and, and we're going to touch a little bit more on that on a, a news story coming up here in a little bit. I, I read some interesting information about that, that, um, that, it, that we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, anyways, yeah. So Sonoma's finish, Larson, Elliott, Truex, Logano, Bush, top five. That's Kyle Bush. Kurt Bush with a sixth place finish. Ross Chastain, seventh. Hamlin, eighth. Bowman, ninth. And Blaney, top ten. Uh, bad days for Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., Lost an engine after 40 laps. 
William Byron was involved in an accident, only finished 76 laps. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse, 37th, Byron, 35th, Newman, 33rd. Uh, Anthony Alfredo was really impressing me at the end of that race, but unfortunately involved in, a, in an accident. Yeah, the, uh, you know, you make it sound like it was bad that William Byron only completed 76 laps. Well, it was only a 90 lap race. Yeah, so, well, 92 at the end, but yeah. Well, yeah, because the overtime, but yep. I mean, normally 76 laps of Bristol. <laughs> you know, yeah, he didn't even, you know, he didn't even complete 15% of the race type deal, but yeah, he, he what, finished the first two stages, right? Yeah. 76. Yeah. Cause he finished sixth in stage two. Yeah. I mean, uh, the guy that was impressive as far as that goes was Kurt Busch. He started 30th, you know, and actually ran and ran on the point for a while. He was actually in the lead for a lot of that second stage. Eighth in stage one, fourth in stage two. So even though he started 30th on the day, he was still able to get up to eighth in that first stage. Yeah, I mean, he had plenty of, you know, he had a good points day for starting 30th. Mm -hmm. Really did. But he's, he's always liked that track. So Anthony Alfredo, though, talk a little bit about that. I was I was thoroughly impressed with his ability to 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 run that 38 machine up front uh, for quite a while there. And, um, you know, Sonoma can be one of those tracks that if you're good at blocking, you can hold a position pretty well. Yeah, there's only really about three maybe four real what they call breaking points where you're going to outbreak somebody to pass them yeah but uh he's an accomplished road racer so you know the only reason he got ended up getting in a wreck is because guys got a little impatient with him yeah all right so that was the results from sonoma the all-star race this weekend so we're not really going to do a preview of the race weekend to come but I did want to talk about a couple of uh, news and notes. NASCAR issued rule changes to reduce the speed of cup cars at super speedways on Tuesday. They say that the smaller tapered spacer will uh, decrease the speed of the cars at super speedways by seven to 10 miles per hour. Uh, again, only at the super speedways. So they're slowing those down a little bit. Honestly, I really couldn't care. I, I think I've, I'm firmly planted in the camp of you don't need speed for a good race. In fact, I think too much speed makes for a boring race, which is a part of the problem NASCAR has. I'm on board with them trying this for a race or two to see what happens. Yeah, see, I'm not because they slow these cars down another 10 mile an hour. They're just going to they're going to make it an even bigger pack. Yeah, and then they got in trouble with the pack racing a couple of years ago. And then they got in trouble with the group racing a couple of years ago. Then they got in trouble with the, yeah, nobody's happy with super speedway racing. No, they're not. Until yeah, Dale Earnhardt Jr. wins, then they, then it's the most amazing thing they ever saw. Well, no, but that was the rule package. You know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. wouldn't, I don't think, would be liking this rule package either. You know darn well that Smoke hated the, the restrictor when they started bringing the horsepower down. Well, he you know, hated he restrictor hated plate racing because he hated the super speedways because of how much they destroyed cars. Well, he, he hated it when, like now, they're running 550 horsepower at the mile and a half tracks. He hated that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's the wrong answer. Let's let them have the horsepower and see how fast they can go, you know. Well, if you could pay attention at the next super speedway race and you think they're, it's, it's terrible racing because they're going 7 to 10 miles an hour, I'll give you kudos to that because I can't, I can't tell. Well, I'm too busy watching on um, listening on my phone because I sure as hell ain't watching on a Fox or well, you know, I guess Fox is done, aren't they? They were done with Sonoma. Uh, yeah, I believe that was their last race. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly where all these NBC races are, are going to go because they said Peacock, they said USA, they said NBC Sports will still run a few of them. Mm -hmm. So we'll see where they actually end up. 
Speaking of the Fox broadcast team, Jeff Gordon is reportedly weighing his options, whether he wants to return to Fox Sports as a uh, analyst and as a broadcast as, as one of the three guys up in the booth for 2021 said that uh, according to Adam Stern, he's weighing his future with Fox sports after the season per sources, he could leave the booth to take on a larger role at team Hendrick. Um, and that's when I sent that to you, I think on, uh, on Wednesday, you, that was exactly what you said. sounds like he's gearing up to do more at Hendrick and that makes well, sense. They, that's what they've been talking about for the last two years now is he's the, man on point to take over when Rick Hendrick kind of retires. Mm-hmm. Rick Hendrick saw his team take the uh, all-time wins lead from mm-hmm. Petty Motorsports. I mean, he's got, he's the odds on favorite to have one of his four teams win the title this year. Yeah. That would be a good year to walk away. Absolutely. And he's, he's still going to be a team owner. So he's still going to show up the track. Yeah. He's still going to be involved, but you know what, at some point in time, you got to just, start to step away and enjoy life. He's, this is not a guy that has had stuff handed to him. He's, he's worked his tail off for every bit of what he has. And the success of Hendrick Motorsports comes from his competitive side and, and just his drive. And at some point in time, you got to sit back and, re- and, and try to enjoy life a little bit and, and let your foot off the throttle a little bit. And, and he's got a great person that, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens to Hendrick in the next 10 years with, with Jeff Gordon running it. You know, and, and, you know, Joe Gibbs coach stepped away a long time ago, yeah. a long time ago. He turned the daily stuff over to JD and I'm not really sure since JD's passing, I'm not sure who's running the day-to-day at Gibbs right now. I don't think Coy was into it enough. I know he got back into some football coaching and stuff, but I think Ty that's tearing up the Xfinity and Arca series right now. I think that's Coy's boy. I know it's Joe's grandson, but I think it's Coy's kid. Okay. But, uh, we talked a little bit about 2311 racing uh, last week. We talked about them possibly adding a second car in 2022 and that Kurt Busch could be a candidate. There was uh, some conversation with Kyle Busch about his thoughts about uh, his brother joining the fold in the article on Jayski that I've been reading over the last uh, uh, 15 minutes, 20 minutes or so. Uh, the, the 2311 team is sitting in on every team op- team meeting with Joe Gibbs Racing as they get that team up to speed. And the conversation between some of the uh, the media and Kyle Busch was, would you be okay with your brother being involved in that fold? And Kyle said that would make it so that he would drive for all manufacturers, right? He could check that off the list that he drove a Toyota and won in a Toyota. That If that's his prerogative, I think those decisions – to be made don't have anything to do with me, but certainly that would probably be a big hit for our program and what we have going on, especially the 2311 program. If all that comes to fruition, I've heard the same rumors you guys have. I'm kind of confused by that when he said it, it would take a big hit for our program and what we've got going on, especially the 2311 program. Yeah. I don't think he means a bad hit. That's see, that's what it sounded like to me, but I, I don't, that. Yeah, I, it sounds like it sounds like he just used the wrong word. Yeah. You know, I think it would be a, a big plus. I mean, the guy's got plenty of talent um, and he's obviously in the twilight of his career. And maybe they just are going to try and bring him in to, I don't know, give Bubba, you know, a little bit of guidance for a season or two. 
Well, and that's the interesting thing. So coming down farther in this article about it was original post on uh, May 29th was quote from Denny Hamlin. The reporter asked him, do you feel like you need a second driver with more experience? Denny said, "Uh, I don't know. I think I'm teammates with Bubba Wallace. So he's already got that. I don't think we necessarily have to have a second driver because he's got me, Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch that work very, very closely with him. We're in the same meetings. I don't know if there's a benefit or a detriment either way, but certainly I look at a lot of different things when it comes to who's to who a prospective person could be. So Bubba's involved in all of the Joe Gibbs racing team meetings and basically whether they feel like it or not, Denny feels like Bubba is one of their teammates already. So Bubba's already got that experience. And I mean, those are three great guys to lean on, but why not get a fourth quality guy to lean on? Well, we know from the past, that 2311 is paying through the nose to be associated with JGR. Well, we don't know that. We know that Joe, no, we don't, we don't know what that contract is. We know that Joe Gibbs racing lost the contract with furniture racing because they wanted furniture racing to pay out the nose and that contract went away. We don't know if, if then they came back and said, okay, well, Denny, you're one of our guys and, and let's work out a deal. And and here's your contract. We don't know what 2311 is paying, but to your point, we know that Furniture Row Racing was so adamant to not pay out the nose that they folded their operation. Correctly. And then they let Levine Racing come in and they paid out the nose and it cost them because they ended up having to, you know, close shop. Well, they, again, they got, I, no, they, that's not why. Levine Family Racing officially closed shop stating financial fallout due to COVID-19 pandemic. The team was sold and... um the 2020 season was its its final season in the NASCAR Cup Series and NASCAR altogether. Their fleet of Toyotas were returned to Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, one week later, the team's assets were purchased by Spire Motorsports. So it's we don't know what they paid. In fact, we don't even know really what Joe Gibbs Racing wanted Furniture Row to pay. But what did he say? It was three times the amount they were paying already, and he wasn't willing to do that. Yeah, I believe it was. Uh, believe it was. They said. His quote was raising the price 300%. Yeah. Which would yeah. be three times. Yeah. But um, anyways, so it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, it's there. there's, like you had talked about, for a team to add a second car, it doesn't double your cost of operation. And to bring Kurt Busch into the fold, you know, honestly, what can it hurt? Well, well, it just depends on how he gels with, with who he's going to work with. I mean, yeah. It's in the bush blood. There's, you know, Kurt's had problem with people and he's had problems with his own brother. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you know, he had problems with women and, you know, everything. He's equal opportunity for trouble. You know, if he goes in there and gels with whoever they make him recruit chief or, you know, pick up whatever happens that way, if he gels with that guy, you know, then that'll be a positive. But if they go out and three races in a row, they got, you know, 30th place finishes and they're at each other's throat and, or the crew chief tries to make a call that backfires, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, it would be a detriment. They'd go out and win a race in the first three or four races and have a couple top 10 finishes. It would definitely be a, a plus. Yep. All right. So that's the news for the weekend or for the week going into it. hope everybody enjoys, uh, Dirk, you're going to like this. I, I don't know. Um, just because you're you're kind of a stickler to detail, which I, it slips through the cracks with me every once in a while. The 27th <laughs> running of the Dirt Late Model Dream at Eldora Speedway kicked off Wednesday night and Thursday night. Then 
the 26th running of the Dirt Late Model Dream is on Friday, June 11th and Saturday, June 12th. So they're running the 27th running of the Dirt Late Model Dream before the 26th running of the Dirt Late Model Dream. Yeah, I mean, to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> well, and I, I realize it, it really, it, it doesn't affect anybody, but if the last time we ran the Dream was the 25th running, and they're running the Dream on Wednesday and Thursday, regardless of what you call it, it's the 26th running of the Dream. <laughs> Well, it's like it's like the, the the hotels that have a 12th floor and a 14th floor to get away from that unlucky stigma of the 13th floor. But the 14th floor is actually the 13th floor. It doesn't really matter. There's always there. If there's going to be a 14th or 15th floor, there has to be a 13th floor. But anyways. Well, correct. And the way I look at this and what I think actually happened is I think all their promotion, promotional material and everything for the 26th running being set up on what would the days be today's the ninth 10th mm -hmm. so they'd be the 11th and 12th would be friday and saturday yeah you know whether they printed t-shirts up flyers up whatever they did then when they came back a few months ago and decided to add the second race they had no choice but to call it the 27th annual so if you only go on wednesday and thursday you're going to have a t-shirt that says the 27th annual if you buy one yeah I think that's probably what happened here, and that's why they did what they did. I think it's cool that they went ahead and are continuing the streak, even though they still missed an annual. Yeah. Because now the 26th is a biannual because it skipped a year, and then the 27th is, is a biweekly because <laughs> they ran at the same week as the 27th. <laughs> I mean, you can, any type of a mathematics genius is probably beating their head against the wall on this deal yeah, yeah. but yeah i hear you you know uh, next running's the 26th you can't skip the 25th and 26th you know if that's the case or you can't skip the 26th they ran the 25th they skipped the 26th you know then when they come back and run again it's the 26th i mean it's yeah. the same thing they're doing with the nebraska motorsports hall of fame or auto racing hall of fame is they but, didn't have an induction last year so they just moved those people back to this year. Yeah. No, I, I get that a little bit more. I just don't understand how they don't have the 27th running of the dream after the 26th and why they didn't schedule it on the, the Friday and Saturday. Why wouldn't you put the 27th running on the Friday and Saturday and the 26th on the Wednesday and Thursday, the t-shirt deal. I, yeah, I, that that's a good point. I I could see that, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's a whole marketing deal at that point. Because if you go if you go back and dig up um, the late model schedule from let's just say the end of February, I'll guarantee you the Wednesday Thursday race was not on. They didn't decide. Yeah, because when they when they did it last year, when they were talking about it last year, when they ended up postponing it, um, I, I thought the conversation was they were going to run it. They were going to run it the week before the twenty seventh running. So it was it was essentially going to be like a ten day weekend at Eldora for these late model teams. But I just don't think they could do that with the schedule they've got. Probably. You know, between running the Lucas Oil cars and the World of Outlaws cars and several other series that have, you know, really gained some momentum. You know, the MLRA series has, has picked up a little bit in the last few years. And, you know, it's got some Lucas Oil money behind it now. And obviously around here, the SLMR uh, picking up a whole second division. I don't mean second division, but second series you know, with the East West now. Yeah. 
you know, around here, that's the biggest late model series there is. Let's face it. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Did you watch the video of the uh, the bus races at, at Eagle? No, I have not seen that. I'll share that with you on Facebook Messenger. That's a good uh, time waster. That was fun. That was so much fun. I think right. they just ought to, ought to let drivers go ahead and buy their own school bus and enter and just have it one night. Just, you know, do a Wednesday night. School <laughs> bus races on Wednesday night. You know, they get 30 or 40 school buses out there, run a couple of heats and a feature. Let's have some fun with this, damn it. We got to promote. Yeah. that Those bus races were, I think that was the first time I ever saw that. And that was... That was a sight to behold. That was fun. Trailer racing's better. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've seen the the tra- I've seen the RV racing at at uh, Crawford County before. Uh, you ever I'm seen a combine RV. race? I'm talking boat races and everything. No, I mm-hmm. haven't seen a I haven't seen a combine race. I remember a couple combine demolition derbies that were running at the Nebraska State Fair. <laughs> you know, I thought those two hundred thousand dollar machines were a little. Uh, a high price to be demo derby in them but uh, yeah they weren't mine obviously but right. uh, and train races are pretty good too where they chain three cars together those are pretty fun too yeah all right i think that's going to do it for us today i think we've covered everything we should could make sure to listen to quick time podcast for uh more updated sprint car news rolling race news with james Rowland with uh, commentary and uh and information like that uh, uh two great racing podcasts we love to support those guys because uh, they do some great job supporting us so uh no turns three and four today the all-star races this weekend we'll be back next week uh working on getting uh jacob swanson and cole wayman to join us on the show so uh hang tight on more information about that we're trying to get those interviews lined up but uh, yeah we love to get people on the show so feel free to just message the page for Quaker Steak and Lube, which you can go and watch all the all-star action. Is that Saturday? That's Saturday, right? Uh, yeah, Saturday night. At uh, at Texas. Oh, wait. All-star yeah. open and all-star race is Sunday. Well, they moved it to Sunday this they year? They moved it to Sunday. Well, it's always been a Saturday night deal. But... Well, that damn COVID. Well, I, I I don't think it has anything to do with COVID. I just well, think it, it... it doesn't have to do with COVID. People just blame everything on COVID. I just think it has to no every they blame everything on Trump still, but I think it has to do with the fact that it's not right there in Charlotte again, and Bristol is so close to Charlotte. Yeah, you know, um, well they're now, doing it you know, in Texas. Right, last year was Bristol though. Right. Oh yeah. You know that was my point. All those okay. other years it was at Charlotte. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, Bristol's an hour and a half I think outside of Charlotte, so not that big a deal. But I think they left it on Sunday to try and keep some resemblance of a weekly uh, schedule, you know, here in the middle of the year like this. Yep. Six o'clock Eastern, five o'clock Central for the All-Star Open at Texas Motor Speedway. And then the All-Star Race is at seven o'clock Central time, eight o'clock Eastern. It's going to be on PRN and Sirius XM as well as Fox Sports 1. So get over to Quaker Steak and Lube, watch all the green flag action. I'm telling you guys, get down there and try that pizza. It is absolutely delicious fantastic pizza and uh if you need any computer work give me a call today 402-659-5641 and uh dirk thanks a lot for uh, for purchasing that laptop i don't i don't know if i told you but i took a hundred dollars of that and donated it to the alzheimer's association so appreciate the go. business i know the alzheimer's is big to you so absolutely 
you know, I'm more into the kidney foundation myself. But. I would be too if I was you. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week to do it all over again. Uh, for Dirk Houston, I'm Dan Taylor. This has been the Front Stretch presented by Joe's Carding. If you love wings, if you love rings, and all kinds of other tempting things, great times, great food, get too quick to steak and lose. Quaker Steak and Lube is the official watering hole of the front stretch and the home of MAV-TV featuring action from the Lucas Oil Late Model Series. Great times, great food, get too quick to steak and lube. Located on Mid-America Drive in Council Plus. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you white knuckle racing by the river bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information.